Episode 15 of Ophelia Talks is right here in your eardrums. One away from our sweet 16. Ooh, I remember my sweet 16. All my friends were there. They sang happy birthday. I rediscovered my love for Taproop's poem. That was a great year. My name is Zach Rich. I am your host who waxes nostalgic about the dumbest things. Uh, we have a humdinger of an episode for you this week. My apologies for the lack of an episode last week. As it turns out, when you've spent about 40 hours in rehearsal over the course of six days, no one really wants to not go to their bedroom and sleep the night away instead of coming over to do your podcast. So I get that. That's totally on me. But we're here now. There's a couple more episodes that I'm going to be doing with some members of the Alyssa Strata Jones cast. It'll be fun. We're in the rear view mirror now. So we're going to talk a bit about the production, about what's happening uh, on stage during the show and everything. We just finished our first weekend of performances, which went so so dang well. If you came out and saw the show this weekend, thank you so much for coming out to support. We had this wonderful sold-out crowd on opening night. Uh, we had wonderful shows across the rest of the weekend. We have great shows coming up for the next three weekends. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet for Alyssa Strata Jones, please do not delay. The show's going to sell out. It's going to be great. It's going to be... I'm, I'm, I'm really proud. I'm a very proud person of this show. Tickets are still available. You can find them at our website at OpheliaTheater.org. If you did see the show, please take a moment to review the show on Show Score. It's a uh, we're talking about it uh, in the episode proper with my guest this week, uh, but it's a wonderful way to get the message out about the show out to other people. It's basically like Yelp for theater. Leave a review. Be honest. Like you don't have to give us a hundred, but you know. Tell us how you really feel. How can we approve? What did you like? What did you not like? I understand. I can take criticism. I'm a, I'm a big boy. You get it? I got it. Um, my guest this week is John C. Cologne. She is our phenomenal Cleonice in Lysistrata Jones. Uh, we had a really great conversation. I'm excited for you to hear it. I'm excited to share it with you. The episode is coming up right now, but Feeding Green will be in your ears first. The song is called Welcome to Enjoy of the album Green Planet Adventures. Find out more about them at fiendingreen.bandcamp.com. And thank you so much, Feeding Green, for letting us use that wonderful tune of yours. Here, it's coming to your ears now. Do you hear it? I hear it. I don't hear it yet. No, there it is. Enjoy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You think or you know? I don't think I know anything. <laughs> but I think I generally feel fine. Yeah. Okay. I feel good. I feel um I feel like I do most days, which is I wanna take what I have, um, and use it to do some good. That's generally how I feel. I hear that. We're a week into performances at this point. We took last week off because literally nobody wanted to sit down and do my stupid podcast, but I would now. have. Just yeah. so you know. Well, I asked if you. If you'd asked me. You did not. I didn't ask you? No, you didn't. That doesn't seem you like me. You absolutely did not ask me. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I felt forgotten. It's all right. I'm so sorry. Well, you're not forgotten now. You're here on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you feeling now that we're open? I feel awesome. It was so special to have so many people there on opening night. And yeah. Yeah, we played to an incredibly sold out house. Yeah. And I've been a fan of show score and I've been part of the show score community mm-hmm. um, for about maybe a year and a half now. So to be able to go on show score and be like, oh, wow, look at this community of people that I've been a part of since I even knew about, mm-hmm. since before I knew about Lysistrata, um, and to receive such positive reviews and such really great feedback from people I don't know um, who've seen the show um, and came out to support it. That was really nice to just just for to... Just for the people listening, show score is kind of like a... Oh, that cat's going to be bad. <laughs> she she wants attention so badly and she'll meow at all hours and that's all anyone's going to hear about this show. Great. Anyway, show scores kind of like a review, like a Yelp for theater, mm-hmm. you would say. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool. Um, you become a member, you go on there, you score a few shows, and in return, they send you free tickets to shows that are happening all over Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Okay. So that's actually how I, as a student, see most of my theater is... Um, through ShowScore because they give up free tickets. There's a $5 processing fee that you pay to ShowScore for sure. providing the service. But besides that, the tickets are completely free. Um, and then you see the show, you score it, and then it sort of spreads awareness about that show to the rest of the people in the community. Um, and right now, as of today, when I last checked, we were at a 90. There were like... Liz Estrada was. Yeah, Liz Estrada oh my Jones gosh. was at a 90 This sounds like a huge ad at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. No. Totally organic conversation, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's really great to hear. Yeah, and it's actually, you know, this, these are all people, I mean, some of them are people from Ophelia, but um, a lot of them are people that we don't know that just got the email. They're saying, you're invited to see Liz Estrada Jones for free. They came, they Sheesh. saw it, and they scored it. And now there, there have been so many nice things that people have said, like... Um, the characters are adorable. That's one of the things that, that stuck with me. It was like, oh, we're adorable. That's Somebody great. likes the way I look. But yeah, no, there was a lot of, for being a small theater company in a smaller space, the production value was really high. The actors were giving it their all. Um, and this is your first time working with Ophelia. It is. Yeah. Uh, did you get to see anything beforehand? I didn't. Yeah, no, I have not. No, um, this was just I've your first. I've heard of like Your Alice and other things that sure. have been done. And I know Your Alice is coming back. Which you should also see yes. more Ophelia advertising. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> this is like, Thank you for plugging everything yeah, for me. Um, I've heard of the shows, but I'd never seen it. Um, I kind of got roped into the family because um, I knew Anessa, who's mm-hmm. our music director, and um, Annette is her roommate, and she's doing our makeup. She's our makeup artist, um, and we know Sarah. Um, so I kind of got in that way, and I feel very fortunate because it's such a beautiful, beautiful family of people. Um, just wonderful generous individuals who instantly make you feel like part of the family so it was really great it's a it's a strong community and it's kind of like the catalyst of (laughs) i've been doing theater in new york for almost five years now and almost every single thing i've ever booked it was because i knew somebody Mm -hmm. uh i think actually my first ophelia experience is probably the only actual audition i've done in new york but general, even with Lysistrata itself, I think almost every single person involved in this show, if they haven't, because the only people that have worked with Ophelia before was Kevin Ryder, who's our Herald, and Lauren LaCroix, who's our Hetera. Yeah. Uh, they're the only people that have ever worked with us before. Anyone else, you came from with Anessa, like Sean came out of me, Billy literally roped in anybody that was walking on the street with yeah. her. Like, 
uh, uh, it, it, it's it's kind of a catalyst of just how theater works in New York. Where yes, you can audition your mm-hmm. tail off, but at the yeah. end of the day, it's also just it's really who you know. Yeah. It's who you know. Yeah. What did Anessa just like text you in the middle of the night, being like, "Hey, you're good for this"? Yeah, she was actually in the auditions mm-hmm. for Lysistrata Jones, um, like between people or something, and she just texts me and she's like. Can you come to callbacks? And I think I, I like, actually remember that conversation. I was like, yeah. I didn't audition. And she was like, oh, it doesn't matter. We, right. we just really need to see you. And I came in. I did the dance call, which was a lot of fun. I loved watching you at the dance it call. Was so you much were. Fun. I was having a great yeah, time. Yeah, you honestly. were. No, there was just this huge smile on your face the entire way through. Did you know like, I pulled my hamstring? No. You pulled your hamstring at the callback? At the dance call. How did that happen? I did a tour and. Jumped into a split, and it was like 19 degrees I outside. remember you did that, and you also, like, I think I heard a mutter of pain come out of you. <laughs> I was not kidding. I had to sit down. I sat down, and I was like, I, I ended up kind of exploring the Boys and Girls Club basement, and I found the ice machine. I found sure, the freezer, yeah. and like, scrounged up some ice because I actually pulled my hamstring. I didn't get my splits back again until last week. Suffering for your um, art. But I, I was I was shocked that I did that. And it sucked because I pulled it during the first pass when they weren't filming. So for the no. for the round where they were when they were filming for Kristen, our choreographer. Yes. Um, I had already pulled it. So I was marking the video um, oh, once. So I felt terrible. I was like, if I could have gotten the first one on video, then it wouldn't matter. But yeah. <laughs> That was, was a good time. Yeah. I, I made a mistake. I learned from it. It shan't happen again. I imagine. And then yeah. how was this uh, process of like building the show like for you? Were you, you weren't, were you, were you in pain much throughout the process? Like I, this is the first I've heard about this. Yeah. Oh, no. So luckily. Because this is like a dance heavy show. Like you didn't have to stop and be like, hey, yeah. oh, you know, my yeah. hammy. Yeah. Not yeah, great yeah. this day. So luckily these auditions slash callbacks were towards the tail end of December or like mid-December. Um, so I was actually going home for like two weeks. And where's home for um, you? Florida. Florida, cool. Yeah, Florida. Um, my family lives there, my mom and little bro. Um, so when I got there, I was like, okay, it's therapy time. So I just like, <laughs> every day I would like stretch it out, um, you know, just like take vitamins, use like kinesiology tape, all these different things to just sort of rehabilitate it. Um, so that by the time I got back, um, I was at functioning capacity. I, we're just really lucky because there are no like like high kicks and leaps and things like that. The show isn't that technically specific in mm-hmm. terms of like we're not doing like a lot of full blown like cheerleading stunts. We're not doing toe touches and stuff. I mean, I do a stag leap in once, but that's just because I wanted to. <laughs> you want you wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, but um, yeah, luckily um, I was able to. Most of it is actually the stomp stuff, which is like close to the ground. There's not a lot of stretching happening. It's a very happening. rhythmic. It's rhythmic. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I can do for days, so that was fine. I was stomp. I think I I. I'm watching the show from the drummer's throne the mm. entire way through, and change the world. Is both the, the the third number in the show Change the World is easily my favorite one to play and two to watch because I think the first time I watched you guys like we were celebrating Lay Low because the boys yeah, are just so sexy that. but the first time I watched Lay or uh, Change the World I was like oh good I think you even heard me yeah. say I'm like no 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 I'm on Girls again like that was sexy holy and we had just hell just learned it and we were like going ham and I was like 
Yes, I got this. I this is going to be great. I was on my feet. It was my so gosh. Fun. It's usually my favorite number, and it's definitely the one where I think more than anything else, because I'm sweating behind the drum set because I'm, I'm terrified that I'm just going to screw the whole thing up. <laughs> Which because, you have not. So oh, you're it's amazing. nice of you to say that. But that's the one number where I'm like away from the page, and I'm just like, I know what I'm doing. I am watching them go, and it's fucking phenomenal. And it's cool because the more you get comfy with it, there's moments of like, you get to choose what you want to do, choose your own adventure. So I've just been getting like more ambitious with yeah. like the little freestyle parts, and it's fun, you know. Um, that is that is my favorite number too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely easily, to do. easily my favorite moment in the show. Do you yeah. have any other um, moments throughout the show that just like explode for? Now that the show's open and everything, and we're on our feet and running and everything, what's yeah. the moment for you in the show that you're just like, this is my shit. The operetta. <laughs> the operetta. I yeah. Love the operetta so much. Um, it's funny because in Act Two. Marie, Lampedo, and Clean Icy. I play Clean Icy. They don't do as much, except Marie has her number. Um, but there's like chunks of time when we're not on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use that to kind of like get psyched for the operetta. <laughs> I just love that song so much. It's so dramatic. Yeah. But totally, I feel like, earned. It's not like... It's it's the catharsis moment of the show. It's yeah. where all of the conflict is truly coming mm-hmm. to a head before everything starts to resolve itself. Absolutely, And it's not so much... A dance that we do as it's really specific movement mm-hmm. um, and it's it's warlike you know it's, it's all these different culminations of different things um, happening for each character and it, it seems like chaos because it kind of is but the brilliance of it is in Lewis's writing and in Kristen's choreography and Billy's staging that it does come together to, to form a sort of organized chaos yeah. that really meshes together and I, I'm very fortunate to be um, in a really particular place for the lift that happens in that song, um, where I, I'm a very big supporter of Chloe, who's playing Arliss Estrada, but I also get to see the lift as it's happening. Because you're on the outside, on the taking her hand I'm to make sure her, her balance hand. is there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's gotten to the point where now I can like soft focus and use my peripheral to see how this machine sort of works together to make this lift happen. It's an amazing moment it really to is. watch on stage. I was floored by it the first time. Yeah. Especially, the, I, I think the moment that tells it the most is the other actors, Chloe's basically walking on the other actor's hands throughout the entire process. And when she lifts her foot, the next actor is not there and they mm-hmm. have to run in to mm-hmm. take her foot. I think it's such a cool moment. I think it's yeah. one of the coolest moments in the entire show, but especially just in terms of like visual... Uh, uh, it, it's stunning. It's yeah. a very stunning moment throughout the show. So it's cool that you actually get to like take a second yeah. to see all that. And as a character, because now what what I've started delving into more is who are these people to each other? And how do we fill these moments in between scenes, in between songs and lines with relationship? Because sure. it's so funny because Lysistrata comes in and she kind of just like takes over everything. Like all of a sudden she's like, head girl who like gets all these other girls to be cheerleaders and they all just kind of fall in line and then they just go with it and then you know she has this boyfriend now who's the basketball team's captain and we we were talking about how things happen so fast in this show and how do you justify the moment to moment progression Um, so for something like the operetta Chloe and I talked about it we were like how do Clean Icy and Lysistrata know each other um, and we kind of drew from the lexicon of Lysistrata, the original 
um, by Aristophanes. Sure. Um, I borrowed it from Matt, who plays Xander, um, and I, I read it. And it was just really cool to dramaturgically do some research. And in this version, in the original, Clean Icy is one of Lysistrata's oldest friends. Um, so we, we kind of took that and we were like, okay, so let's say they were neighbors. They were like these two girls that grew up as friends. And then when they went off to college, Lysistrata went to one place, Clean Icy went to Athens U. And now she's at Athens U. So when she sees her for the first time, this chica loca, which was kind of dismissive, it's my first line of the show, sure. turned into something like, oh my God, chica loca, you're here. Good to okay, see you okay. again. And it's like, then that gives a sort of tie between Lysistrata and the rest of the girls because Clea and Icy would know Marine and Lampedo. They're all the girlfriends of the basketball players. Um, so then Clea and Icy kind of becomes that liaison between the other girls and Lysistrata where she's like, look, I know this is weird. This is crazy, but we let's trust her. Let's just go with it. Um, and that's why later on in Change the World, Clea and Icy is the first one to get swayed to Lysistrata's side. And then it makes even more sense later on coming back full circle to the operetta when... Cleonice's that support. You have her oldest friend taking her on this journey, and then that moment where she lets go, it's a, a moment of heartbreak again for Cleonice, where not only has she had this heartbreak with her boyfriend Wardo, but now she's like losing her friend and watching her fall. Um, and they talk about that. It's in the lyric and it's in the staging. Um, so you find these ways to inform the relationships between the characters and I'm, and that's what I'm having fun with. I've had moments with Harold, Kinesius that you don't that aren't built in the, into the script, but um, these characters have known each other and they existed in relationships before the show and how does that inform the action on the stage? And that's what makes it interesting. So you did your gosh dang homework here. Oh, I just love playing, that's you know. Something else. I yeah. love that. Well, it's like you can't just prance, you can't prance around on a stage and and be standing next to someone and just haphazardly choose to do something because you want to. Mm -hmm. It's not coming from a place that feels like grounded in truth and in history. Um, then it's not real. And I, I'd love to make it as real as possible. That's yeah. what, that's why you get people saying like the characters are so strong because so many of the cast members, these are kind of the things that go untalked about, but so many of the cast members have done this, this deeper work and it really shows. Yeah, easily. It really shows. And it's it's how did that get there? It's because they, they did their work. Um, and it's just so fun to play with people who do their work. because. And I think that's yeah. evident. I, I've seen shows before where I've seen people do their work but not translate it well to the stage. But mm -hmm. I think like a, a cast like this one, I think you guys are definitely like just hearing it. I remember there was one day in rehearsal you were spouting off of facts about the original Lysistrata like like it was canon oh, I just passing so, it out you were so ready to dramaturg yeah. this entire show yeah, it like, was so great like Maureen and Cleonice's first line in the original Lysistrata after Lysistrata says we're gonna withhold sex is death first right that is what Maureen and Cleonice <laughs> say that is awesome that is yeah. such a strong perspective and that that death first becomes that first scene in the library when Lysistrata texts them. They have that look and they're like, they start laughing. And I go, no, baby. No, can't do. Yeah. <laughs> that is that line. That is death first in Spanish and haha -ha, comedy. But, you know, oh, no yeah, it's the same moment. Uh, that's it's just a brilliant. smart thing on Doug's part. It's, no, exactly. <laughs> Doug is a brilliant writer. And I think people can overlook that because they're like, oh, it's just a silly show. It's it's kind of dumb and the jokes are whatever. But it's really smartly put together. He did his work. Yeah, like, I he agree. He certainly did his work. And he really adapted that Greek original into something that is 
really applicable to today. What does that version look like in today's society? And Definitely. that is Lysistrata Jones. That's what it looks like. I feel that. What did you pull from when you were building your character of Clay and Icy? Honestly, a lot of her came from, from me, I guess, because she's a college student who is Latina. Um, and lo and behold, I am Thank a Latina you for the college student. I'm Latina. Well, you know, that's what you say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess there's also a bit of like, there's an element of, what's that character? Gloria from Modern Family. Um, okay. And this is something that I sure. talked to our choreographer about. You know, she's, she's a person still, she's still a human. Um, but there are Latinas who who are like that, who are sort of these larger than life characters, but then they have so much heart um, behind all of their actions. And we talked about specifically the relationship between Wardo and Cleonice and who they are to each other and what that, what that dynamic is. And we talked about how like out of all of the couples, they're probably the ones who are truly deeply in love with each other from the beginning. And that made me wonder, if Wardo is in love with this person, who is she? Why is she worth loving? Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I drew as much from the text as I possibly could. Um, so we have her very first introduction, clean, icy, hot, and spicy, shake it once, shake it twice. And then she says, Supreme Court, get that subpoena. And that is a fascinating line. In my brain, I'm like, you know, they probably put that in there because it rhymes with Latina. Sure. Subpoena. But... Why would she be talking about Supreme Courts and subpoenas? She's obviously pre-law. That's where I went from there. So, Clean Icy, what that tells me is she's smart. She's a hard worker. And I, I carry that through the show. I, I, there's the change the world scene when they first, when Lysistrata first starts getting the girls all on her side and I go over to the table, there's the Lysistrata book on the table. It fascinates me to see, wait, Lysistrata, I've never heard of this. I pick up the book, I look inside. Holy shit, my name is in there too. I'm sorry, I don't know if I can curse. Um, <laughs> I, I already did before. I gave up on that. Great, like the great, first great. couple weeks, I was like, oh, please don't curse on my podcast. Oh, and now I'm just like, fuck it, well, I whatever. I'll try not to. But so I so she fi I find myself in, in the play and she has... She has an interest in, in, in this play because now she's starting to get, oh, there's something bigger going on here. And that's what sort of pushes her to get on her side. And, and later on, when Lysistrata starts quoting Title IX at the end of the show, Clean Icy knows what that is. Because yeah. if she's pre-law and, and I, as Clean Icy, actually start mouthing the words along with her because she would know this. This is an <laughs> important case. I noticed you were case. doing that the last couple and, of days. And maybe yeah. to people it doesn't make sense, but I, knowing that I'm pre-law and she's a smart person and she's friends with Lysistrata, um, she would know what that is. Because sure. otherwise, why am I talking about subpoenas? You know? <laughs> and that's, that's, a, that's a decision I made for myself. What makes Clean Icy loved? She's, she's a hard worker. She's smart. She loves her friends. She's very caring. She feels to the extreme. That's why she's kind of always up here. Sure. Even sure. even in the very beginning. She's like when Lysistrata's like, we're gonna be cheerleaders, she's like, okay, we're gonna be cheerleaders. Beautifully mugged for the camera during that moment. Yeah, and, and when they start to lose, I start getting off that platform. I'm like, right now, go Athens! Like as intense as Lysistrata, because I'm here to do everything to the fullest. I hear that. And that's why when they like Wardo breaks up with her and all this other stuff happens, she's 
heartbroken and and it takes her to extremes she feels in extremes um she's a very passionate person and i i just draw from that um and that's who she is that's who she's become i'm having a good time playing her it's, i'm it's all fun. about that yeah no i i'm very impressed with how much work you've put into and just like textual analysis and all that i i've worked with many musical theater actors throughout the years and i think it's one thing to work through just the song and know the song and work through uh, the specific lyrics for the song, but you took the entire show and broke everything down beat by beat by beat, and I love that. Yeah. You said you were still in college, right? You're yeah. at Cap 21 right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that a major benefactor to this textual analysis, or was that something you've kind of developed over your... How old are you? I'm 22. You're kidding me. No, yeah. I'm, I'm a young I'm a, bean. I'm the kind of person that just assumes everyone is my age. Yeah. So when okay. somebody is like more than totally three years fair. outside of my realm, I'm just like, How I don't that think possible? so. Hold the, hold the phone there. I was born in 1995. There. Yeah. <laughs> that reaction is amazing. Every time I think somebody's older or younger than Donkey Kong Country is where I lose it. Oh uh, my God. I mean, at least I know what that is. Does that Thank make you, you feel better? Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You can identify as Super Nintendo. <laughs> I, I can stay in your apartment. I don't need to be kicked out. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, okay, so you've been at Cap 21. So this is your third year in the program? Then, I'm or? fourth year. Fourth year, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm actually about to graduate in May, which is why I was fortunate enough to be able to do this show because we kind of get this free reign in senior year. Um, sure. I like, chose online classes and things so that I could open up my schedule. But um, yeah, so... CAP 21 is, I mean, it's an incredible program. Um, we have people currently in the industry who are our teachers. They're our instructors. Um, so we have the benefit of everything being very current and everything being very applicable um, because they're still out there doing this as they teach us. So we have that firsthand point of view and perspective. I've always been, I guess, hyper analytical, even as a kid. Um, I would read books or I would watch movies and I and I would make these connections just because it was so easy for me to fall into the worlds of these stories. And as I got older and I became a storyteller myself, I started to create more and more links between different points and different events. And it's come to the point where if I'm not doing that, I feel like I'm not doing my job. Sure, sure. Um, Do you see yourself as an actor that tells stories or a storyteller that acts through them? Oh, that is a good question. I always consider myself to be an actor first. Sure. But more generally, an artist. I have other interests. I mean, I play guitar and piano. I write. I'm super interested in directing. Um, and I think storyteller is probably the closest adjective that you can get just because no matter what I do, if there's not a story happening when I'm writing a song or... If I'm even painting something, if there's not some sort of story, you might think painting stories, that's strange. But no, I get that, yeah. If there's not a story happening and you're not conveying a message, at least in my, with my art and my point of view, I don't really see the point. I mean, you can do art for aesthetics purposes, that's totally valid. But if there needs to be a really specific message coming across for me in particular, um, and that always has to come first. Like, I will sacrifice sounding good in a song sure for the sake of telling the story that i feel needs to be told i always say that like the super objective if we're talking in acting terms the super objective of my life is to leave the world a little better off than when i entered it the way i've chosen to do that is through art and through to storytelling to bring 
to the forefront these stories and narratives that might not always get the forefront experience. Um, and I and that's all I strive to do. That's why my goal isn't necessarily to like be on Broadway or anything. I already feel like as a person, I'm where I'm supposed to be and doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing just because I feel like I'm, I'm finding fulfillment in the stories that I am telling. So. I respect that a lot. I when I went for my own college experience and everything, I think it's it's it was hard. I went to school in Buffalo, uh, in upstate New York, and throughout my schooling, there was always this thought that the end goal is to find commercial success or find your way to Broadway and everything. I had some teachers that t- talked that way, and some teachers that said, "No, like you need to find your way through as an artist. You need to make sure you're fulfilled first. So to hear you discuss how uh, the most important thing you can find is fulfillment where you're at right now and the artistic merits about what you're doing, being an artist more than you are an employee, I respect that wholesale. And I think you're on the right track to that. And that's not to say at all that if that is your goal, commercial success, that's not to say that, that that's not valid. It's not at all. By any means, yeah. And I think we're sitting in this moment in history right now where commercial success and cultural success are like kind of starting to bleed together in a little bit. I was talking about this with Jason on his episode, but we talked a little bit about Black Panther and Mm. how that's both one of the most commercially successful movies ever created, but also a cultural touchstone of the moment right now Mm -hmm. in this fight for diversity amongst uh, films being produced in the modern age. I, I think that's such a unique viewpoint to have where yes this is part of a mega blockbuster franchise based on existing ip and everything and yet it was a predominantly black cast it's a phenomenal movie and it has so much to say about current race relations yeah. it, um, i was floored it was yeah was i was floored by the entire thing i sat there I, I think after the opening credits and we were in oakland for some reason in the 1990s uh-huh. i was like okay Uh-oh. we're in for this now we're going there <laughs> all right um, fasten your seatbelt and i think yeah. that's i think that's a fascinating fascinating position to be in and i think you've got the right head on your shoulders to see that through. Yeah, and I do thank my training for that immensely, the people that I've had the privilege to work with. Um, I've been very well taken care of, and Mm -hmm. I just want to kind of put that back out to the world. How did you meet Anessa? Uh, She and I work at the same place, Um, the good old Bubba Gum Shrimp Company. Got it. The survival job life. The survival job life. Yeah, I don't hate it. It's easy to hate. That it is. It is. It I, is I have my own problems with my own survival job, uh, and it's one that there are some days where I'm like, this is the worst, I need to leave it right now. And mm-hmm. I think I think my point right now, I've been working the same job for four years now, and mm. I'm just like, I gotta ah. mosey on to the next yeah. big thing. But it's it's so hard. I, I have so many discussions with my actor friends being like, I just wish I could just focus on my work all the time and not survive and everything. But yeah. it's also, obviously you wouldn't be doing the show Without your survival right. job. Right, and it keeps you oddly grounded. Yeah. It reminds you that you can't get lost in the clouds sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Because that is so possible. I could spend an entire day trapped in my room <laughs> just thinking about art and, and the things that I want to do. But that place in particular is a really interesting beast in itself. Um, it's in the heart of Times Square. Um, it's part of a hugely commercial company called Landry's. Yeah. Um, so it's not a mom and pop. I, I think people are much... surprised by that. I didn't know Bubba Gump was like a chain of restaurants. Oh, I thought it was just the, the Bubba Gump Shrimp uh-huh. Company in Times Square. Yeah. I did not know there was it one like... It is the... I want to say it's like the highest grossing in terms of like the amount of people that go there per sure, year. Sure, sure. It's, it's New York, Times Square, Bubba Gump, followed by like New York City Walk in Orlando. And then Honolulu and like all these other places. But right. New York Times Square is one of the top in that way. Um... 
and it is it's a lot of things i mean we we get primarily tourists who go there which sounds like hell on earth and i admittedly it, it can be but i never stop counting my blessings because of that place even something as simple as the fact that i meet people from entirely different walks of life every single day like i can have a conversation with someone from kazakhstan mm-hmm. and then two minutes later talk to somebody from argentina and I, I have the extreme privilege of being trilingual um so i can actually english spanish and, and french no kidding yeah i'm fluent in french so I do not have the brain space. It's a lot. I, I studied yeah, Spanish but, for three years. I don't remember any of it. Yeah, Spanish is my first language. And then I picked up, I mean, English kind of happened. Sure. Yeah, necessarily so. And then French I learned in Were you school. in a predominantly Spanish neighborhood in Florida? Well, I was born in Puerto Rico. Okay. Um, so that's where my family's from. That's where I'm from. Um, then when I was two, I moved to Florida. Um, and I, I started watching... TV in English as soon as I could, mm-hmm. um, and I played video games in English. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about that like, a bit Frogger in like the pre-show, and yeah. Jet Moto and stuff like Jet that. Jet Moto, yeah. I could go all day about Dude, that. Jet Moto is the raddest. <laughs> um, twisted Metal, things like that. So you were a PlayStation kid. Yeah, I was a PlayStation I kid love it. for sure. Um, so yeah, so then we moved, and then I grew up in Florida, and it was I was really fortunate. I didn't quite understand that not everybody's life experience was like mine and that not everybody spoke two languages. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't quite know that that's what I was doing. They were just language. Were your parents bilingual as well? Yeah. Both of my parents are bilingual and my little brother is as well. How did the French come along? So yeah, the French, where did that come from? Um, I learned it in high school. I studied it for four years. I was in an advanced program called International Baccalaureate that is the same in every country. So like in Sweden, the program is the same as it is here in the United States and learning a foreign language is required. And they were like, you can take Spanish or you can take French. And I was like, well, why would I waste my time <laughs> taking Spanish? Sure. There were people who were like, I already know Spanish, so I'm going to take Spanish. But it was like, why would I want to do that? It's definitely my high school slacker track. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have, I mean, if I weren't an actor, I would certainly be in linguistics and or foreign affairs. I would totally go for like Peace Corps, UN, all that type of things because like I just love languages and I love cultures. So that's why going back to Bubba Gump, I actually mostly appreciate being there more than I dislike being there mm-hmm. just because I'm, I'm fascinated by culture. I also like have this weird obsession with geography where like I can fill out blank maps of the world with like all the countries. <laughs> like if you're wondering where Uzbekistan is, I know where that is. I can put it on a blank map. But um, yeah, I just like culture as language. All that stuff has been with me my whole life and I have a really great appreciation for them. Um, what was your question? I don't know if I I don't it. remember it anymore. <laughs> I'm just fascinated learning about you. Yeah. I feel like we've been working together for like the last two months now, but this is the first time we've actually gotten to sit down and actually talk things through. And I'm like, you're freaking cool. Dude, thanks. <laughs> I feel the same about you. Oh man. We're also just about at time. Oh wow. I know. Time goes by fast. Yeah. Are, um, is there anything else? Or do you have anything lined up after the Sistrata that you want to plug or promote or anything? Uh, not currently. No. Okay. Yeah. So you've got graduation coming up and everything, oh, and then I the world is your oyster? I'm sorry. I'm doing a showcase, my final senior showcase. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> my brain came back to me. Yeah. I just did a non-verbal. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. 
I believe the dates are April 21st and 22nd. Oh my gosh. I know that's not, yeah. No, April 21st, 22nd. Yeah. Um, it'll be at Cap 21, um, 50 Broadway in the financial district. And it's going to be really cool. Everyone in my class will be getting like two minutes of their own solo. Great. Um, and I'm doing the really awesome song from um, Big Fish. The witch's song. It's been on my to listen list yeah. for years now. Yeah, it's I'm, a really I'm, good song. I'm a very big lapsed musical theater person where I just I I haven't even listened to Hamilton yet. Like that's how far mm. behind I am. I could do the whole thing for you right now. Let's oh, go. Oh, we don't have enough time <laughs> no, <I'm> in today. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Well, yeah. I wish you the best of luck with the rest of this run. I wish you all the best, like finishing up school and everything. You're wonderful. I'm sure we're going to work together again. It's Absolutely. so great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming by. Thank you for inviting me. Of I was course. looking forward to this all week. I'm so sorry that it took you so long to get on the show. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we fixed I'm it now. I'm not bitter about it. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> Strata Jones runs three more weekends at the Astoria at the Astoria Theater Ooh. at the Ophelia Theater here in Queens in Astoria. In Astoria? Yes, yeah. there it is. <laughs> uh, tickets are available at ophelia theater.org. My name is Zach Rich. This has been Ophelia Talks.